This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from This Week in Blackness, Counterspin, The Young Turks, The David Pakman Show, Citizen Radio, and The Majority Report. there's been some polls that have been coming out about everything. I mean, there's the uh, Prop 8 and DOMA are being reviewed in the Supreme Court, so naturally um, they're, they're sitting around polls again to see how people actually feel about, I don't know, gay marriage. And apparently people are overwhelmingly for it. Yay, gay marriage. But that's not enough for some... Of our right-wing friends. I believe we actually have a clip of that, uh, but uh, it's actually kind of hilarious. Uh, I think it's a... Uh, you, you have that up, Aaron, or did I not put that on the board? I believe that was not put on the board. Let me see. Hold on. Actually, actually I, I believe have, that's it, yeah. I believe I, I have audio here. Let me hit the mm-hmm. Quite frank. Excellent. <laughs> the argument that the public is overwhelmingly in favor of same-sex marriage, Chris, is ludicrous. 33 states have voted to keep marriage the union of one man and one woman. You touched on the key issue here. If it was so obvious that the American public wants to try a radical social experiment that results in children in those households definitely, definitely not having a mother and a father, that's what makes marriage a special institution. Pause. It guarantees that women... What are you talking about? This guy's on a roll. What do you mean, pause? I said pause. Your face uh, is pause. So, hey. So, hey. Um, one, if we're talking about a radical experiment, I would argue that perhaps our current state of marriage is the radical experiment. Mm. Uh, the whole idea of like this idea that two people have to get married for uh, to 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 uh, live together and then and start a family and all that good stuff and it should be a man and a woman and that's that and there's no adultery and all this other stuff and the woman isn't property uh and there wasn't some sort of dowry and there wasn't some sort of a uh, combination of things and I didn't sell my daughter so my my family can then combine with your family so that we can become richer and that's that's the that's the radical part. That's so 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 what? I'm sorry, what? I'm just like what? Anybody, Marco? This he's is got he's he's got make- he's got ideas about what radical means. Apparently, you know, just having you know having the property having a woman as property. That's not radical. That's not radical. Okay, cool. I mean, I mean, well, uh, moving from that, that's the radical part. Uh, but then also the idea that, well, these states, uh, these states are saying that, uh, they, they, they don't want this. Like, well, actually, it says that the states, the vote that, that came down there to, to uh, a poll and a vote are two different things. You can have what? a poll that say something of the opinion of 500 people. And then when it comes to vote day, only 120 of them voted. I know that's weird, that's but so that weird. also happens. Am I, am I, am I saying something odd? Am I, am I confused with how life works? Somebody, I'm with academic Dasha Mitchell. Explain to me how I'm crazy. 
Well, first of all... Okay, don't actually explain to me how I'm crazy. <laughs> actually, explain to me how the statement I just made was crazy. <laughs> I realized that that was my fault. I stepped in that. You just opened that, that door opened so the door wide. And it was like, troll me. <laughs> and then I realized that that was stupid, and I apologize for that, and I've already fixed that problem. <gasps> explain how I'm crazy. I'm, re- I'm ready. Explain it to me. Let's go. Uh, well, I, I, I actually, I, you know, I, I can't. I mean, I, I could try. But that would force me to do the 125th Street logic. And you know, I'm not good at that. Oh my God. Will you try at least? Oh my God. Just a little bit. Just drop just a little, little bit. 125th Street logic right now. Go for it, Don. Um, I believe Remember, you. remember what I said. You take a fact and then right. you apply how the white man has affected said fact right. to the fact. Or, 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 or freedom or morality if you want to do it just from the Republican side. Oh, that's true. Okay. Um, so gay marriage. <laughs> I can't. I just can't even make it past that point. My brain doesn't just just can't. It just uh, doesn't. It just listen, Dasha. Right I think you don't understand. The fact is, the the whole idea of gays getting married is problematic and, and radically changing things. Because the fact is, when a penis combines with a penis, guess what happens? Sin. <laughs> That's it. Wait a minute. No I thought baby. That, but I thought if a penis and a vagina. Before you sign a piece of paper, it's also sin. Well, yes, that is a sin as well. <laughs> What's your point? I'm sorry. So there's a hi- is a there a hierarchy of sin? What? Is there a hierarchy of? Of sin? course, there's a hierarchy of sin. Okay, so so is it more? Which ones? Which ones more sinny? <laughs> to you know, I'm not even playing your liberal together games. according to this. I I will not idea. play your liberal reindeer <laughs> games. <laughs> Bible trying to figure clear. out. Fact is, keep your penis in your pants and your vagina locked up, and then do not have gays having trying to marry and stuff like that. So then we all of a sudden die out as a species. I'm telling you right now, gay marriage passes in America, we will be dead by 2017. See, the problem with with this with this gentleman is is that he seems to think that somehow, all of a sudden, they're going to be gay couples because the state allows it. There's going to be gay families because the state allows it. Never mind that there have been and do exist now many, many, many gay families. No, that's a, actually, actually, Dasha Mitchell, you are in fact cor- incorrect. There are no gay families right now. There There's aren't. no gay families right now. There's no one's abominations. raising any children or... There's abominations <laughs> destroying children. But there's no gay families. A family is a husband and a wife taking care of a child and growing up in this beautiful state of America. The beautiful state of America. You know what I mean. It's a giant state. (laughs) The state of America. Like a state of mind, Dasha Mitchell. It's the problem with you. you, I'm going to start practicing. I'm going to, I'm going to go in front of the mirror and I'm going to start practicing my 125th street logic. I hope you practice because apparently you were terrible at it. You just got to let it ride. I'm trying to tell you, ma'am, just let it ride. Just, just go. What is the most ridiculous thing I could say right now? Is the Washington Post pro-gay? 
That's the question post Ombud Patrick Pexton raises in his February 22nd column after a conservative reader complained, quote, is there no room in the post for those who support the male-female procreative model of marriage? Close quote. Well, Pexton claims not to understand that point of view and rhetorically asks the reader how same-sex marriages, quote, take anything away from the sanctity, fidelity, or joy you take in your heterosexual marriage, close quote. But still, somehow, Pexton concludes that the reader is right. Without citing any examples of what he considers to be unfair treatment of opponents of marriage equality, Pexton writes, quote, the Post should do a better job of understanding and conveying to readers with detachment and objectivity the beliefs and fears of social conservatives, close quote. Hmm. Again, media are showing this peculiar use of the word objectivity. After all, since there is no evidence that allowing same-gender marriage harms mixed-gender marriage, you would think objective reporting would treat that assertion as dubious. It's only elite media's definition that says objectivity calls for treating the idea that marriage equality is threatening as a valid position. No evidence necessary. Brian Fisher is a uh, host. He hosts a show. I don't know whether it's on actually any real radio stations. I'm sure it's on the internets. This guy is a whack job. He's with the American Family Association, which ironically hates America and hates families. Uh-huh. Probably hates associations. Yeah, too. if it's two men anyway. Right, it didn't want to so. So uh, he went on his show, Focal Point. Um, <laughs> you're familiar, of course. To talk about the idea, there's, the reason the setup is not even worth mentioning as to why he got focused on whether there could be uh, uh, gay football players in a mm-hmm. locker room. But he's not happy about it. Chris Culliver, before the Super Bowl, got asked by Artie Lang uh, about gay players. And Chris mm-hmm. Culliver said, I don't go for that sweet stuff. Odd <laughs> um, so, way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. So he didn't go for the sweet stuff. So Brian Fisher then now is talking about gays in the locker room and uh, treats it, again, like it would be uh, some sort of Armageddon. The NFL is not going to put up with that kind of nonsense. Uh, They know you get sexual tension in a locker room. It affects unit cohesion. That's an important part of success. You are a team. You need to function as a team. Guys have to be pulling together. You can't avoid divisive things coming into the locker room, and they know the kind of of grenade-like explosion that will go off in an NFL locker room, they can't afford to have that, so they're naturally concerned about that. Everybody thinks they know football. It's like, mm-hmm. What does this clown I don't. know about football? <laughs> yeah, you don't. God bless you. Uh, and then he goes on to suggest that the team that makes the mistake of having the gay, mm. if you have a gay on a team, uh, John, you won't be able to get any other players to come play for your team. They'll all run away. Here's more from Brian Fisher. Because they've got to be concerned about the same thing that the military does. They've got to be concerned about morale. They've got to be concerned about unit cohesion. Uh, they've got to be concerned about readiness. Are these guys ready to take the field? And they have to be concerned about retention. 
I mean, if an NFL team says, yeah, we're, we're going to be completely okay with open gays in the locker room. We want to hire them. We want to recruit them. We'd love to find every gay football player in the United States of America and offer them the best contract we can. They know that other players are going to stay away from that team in droves. They won't be able to complete a roster. You know, actually, if a team did that, it might be trouble. Mm. Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to only sign gay guys. <laughs> what are the odds that he is gay? Oh, 42. Yeah. The, I mean, the grenade-like explosion imagery. <laughs> I mean, he's it's like it'll be like a cannon firing off right into every player's face. <laughs> like, come on, man. Come on. He definitely wants to experiment, yeah. and you should because you should get on all you can before you go to hell, which is where you're headed. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, here's the thing that Brian Fisher uh, maybe needs to know. There are already gay players. Mm -hmm. They're already in the locker room. There have been gay players. There yep. will be more gay players. And eventually, we hope, thanks to the NFL's and other leagues' recognition that they can't let the word fag go around, the way players, they can't let players say that without some degree of discipline, um, and that they're making these wonderful ads. That you know, sort of these, uh, you know, that the, the it gets better, doing, right? That, that it gets yeah. better, and they're participating in that. So it's baseball, so it's basketball, and that's great, and it's overdue. And to have athletes involved in that process, uh, that will make a difference. That will unquestionably make a difference. It's not just lip service of of of, uh, of athletes with the potential as role models. That, that kids do look up to those guys. Mm. Uh, it will normalize things that are totally normal and should be treated as such. Yeah. And look, you can ask players, how would you feel if this happened? But they don't necessarily know. I think that morale would do well if the gay players were good players. You know, that's how you get on an NFL team. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but damn the game, if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but the game if it ain't saying nothing. Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and New York ones, the call, received the call from an individual named Chris in Staten Island who said that gays should be beheaded. Now, a lot of people are making a huge deal out of this video, and it is shocking. But when I listen to the tone of the caller, I actually am questioning whether it's not just a parody or prank call. In any case, it's kind of interesting to see how the host reacts, which I think is not, not really that good. I'll play it for you. Take a look. Hi, Chris. Hello, uh, Hi. Yes. Hi. Uh, my, you know, my opinion is uh, something you're not going to agree with, but okay. I'm Muslim, and I believe 110% in Sharia law. Mm -hmm. Sharia law needs to be implemented in the United States because that's the only way this deviant lifestyle will be corrected. You know what happens in Saudi Arabia and other countries, Islamic countries? You know what happens to the gay people, correct? Mm-hmm. I don't they're agree beheaded. with it. They're beheaded, and that, I believe, I'm going to fight as hard as I can with all my Muslim brothers and sisters to make Sharia law in the United States. Well, so people because should be beheaded for is, being gay? I mean, come on, this, this is, is America. A no, you don't like, you're anti-Muslim? I'm not anti-Muslims, but... You are anti-Muslim if you're I saying that about say my that. religion. I'm saying about in America. My religion? No, 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 I'm saying no. in America. You really <laughs> believe America, people should American be beheaded? I we are that. Muslims, yes, of course, government should do that. So you have no friends who are gay, Chris? No, I don't. 
Okay, and if I you don't did choose sudden... to associate with those oh, people, with those, that okay. lifestyle, no, no, that lifestyle is deviant, and it's against uh, Islam, and it should. Okay. Uh, That's fine should to feel that United way, States. but to believe that they should be beheaded is a little extreme. Obviously, because well, you're going to call the whole kingdom of Saudi Arabia strange. I'm, and not, I'm just Allah? saying, beheading people for their their sexual preference is extreme. Those are my so words. So you're against no, but that's against Muslim countries. Then you're against Islam. That's so a couple of thoughts. Maybe it's not a parody. I, I don't. What do you think from hearing it? It sounds like it is. You think it is some kind of parody? I, I yes. Let's assume it isn't. For it a sounds second. like this is someone trying to bring attention to uh, so, to extreme religious beliefs that he finds uh, to be crazy. Assuming it is true, she didn't handle it well. The host, that is, she should say instead of getting caught in this weird trap about being against people's religion, she should say, "I'm not against anyone's freedom of religion." whatever that religion is, up to the point at which it involves violence or discrimination against others, period, full stop, instead of getting into this thing of, well, no, I'm not against King Abdullah, whatever. In any case, very, very odd. I have no idea if it's real or not, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like an arrow Spotted something somewhere long ago here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. So there was a transgender teacher in the UK who, I don't know the backstory actually, I only know the uh, Little John angle. Yeah, so Little John is a bigoted piece of shit. Like, what is he's like a columnist? He's a columnist yeah. for uh, over in London, over in the UK. And again, this is a perfect example of until this teacher committed suicide, when people would complain about Little John's racist bigoted, terrible acts. By the way, everyone YouTube Stuart Lee talking about this guy, by the way, because it's amazing. Uh, they would be like, oh, it's political correctness gone mad. Right. Like, little John can't even say that transgender people should be beaten in the streets and aren't human. So political correctness gone mad. The title of his column was, he's not only in the wrong body, dot, 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 he's in the wrong job. Wow. And literally this whole column is just about how, you know, a transgender person can't be, shouldn't be a teacher. I would rather have an army of transgendered teachers educate my children than have my child have to have one conversation with little John. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So uh, there so was this whole campaign pretty much like led by, you know, Little John's supporters and Little John to um, harass, humiliate and get this teacher fired. Um, and uh, she was. Um, and she killed herself. And she killed herself. And I think, you know, 
I'm glad you brought up political correctness because, you know, obviously bigots always attack political correctness because they accuse politically correct people of being buzzkills and, you know, fun suckers and all of that stuff. But actually what political correctness is, is a way to protect vulnerable people and sort of level the playing field or like, you know, uh, maybe a awkward attempt to level the playing field. But it's just, it's sort of like the least you can do as a privileged person is not use certain words that are offensive, right? Um, and try to be understanding of people. If you're, if you don't know a lot about trans issues, like educate yourself. It's, it, don't be, um, defensive and start, you know, lashing out because you are weirded out because you're ignorant, well, you know? And th- this applies to people who think that they are progressive, especially because I don't remember the exact thing that happened to me. And I've talked about this on the show before, and I hated saying it then, and I hate saying it now, but I think it's really important, is, you know, I I was doing stand-up, and I, you know, the I mean, God, the first political joke I ever wrote was in support of gay marriage. And ever since then, I've never done a set that didn't involve some form of new gay rights jokes. Like, LGBT rights is sort of... The one of the main issues that I've been defending since I was a shitty up and coming comic, right? So for like 12 years, pretty much. And I think I said something. I don't think it was on the podcast. Maybe it was even on the podcast. I always forget we've been doing this fucking show for like five years. But at some point, I made some like not mean like not a mean joke about transgender people. So it wasn't something like, oh, those people need to make up their mind or like anything like horrible. But it wasn't even this bad. But let's just say, you know, something common that said is like someone will say he, she or something like that. Right. Okay. And I remember I said something along those lines and somebody called me out on it. And my first reaction was like, fuck this person. My first reaction was literally like, oh, so now I can't even say this because I thought I was already such a good progressive Right. where it's like, come on, come on, you fucking whiner. I already talk about gay rights on stage. So obviously, you know, I'm pro gay rights. Um, even though obviously defending gay marriage is very different than transgender rights. Gay people are different than transgender people. And what I said was fucking offensive toward transgender people. Now, I didn't know this. I didn't know why. I didn't know anything about transgender rights. But that's why uh, it was important for this person to educate me. So, you know, why did I come – why did I get so defensive if I am, you know, a tolerant person who was defending – I I guess I should say LGB rights at the time. Uh, And why maybe have you guys – gotten offensive well it's because a lot of times when you get called on something that you secretly feel guilty about you project really quickly because you go well i thought i was being a good person this tell this person is telling me i'm a bad person so then you freak out and you go oh what am i a fucking homophobe suddenly what are they trying to take away all the fun what i'm not allowed to say any words blah 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 yeah and you just end up sounding stupid instead of being like okay like educate me about this right right um and I guess, like, advice to, you know, uh, trans people or, uh, trans allies 
is obviously it's not your job to educate every ignorant bigot in the world. <laughs> like you shouldn't take all of that pressure upon yourself. You're going to meet a lot of ignorant people, especially when it comes to trans issues and trans rights, just because we d- we are just, you know, at the the beginning of talking about it in popular culture. So it's going to take a while to get everybody educated. As we've said before on the show, Jamie and I are still learning about trans issues. So, um, you know, I would say to my advice would be to kind of like adopt uh, a little bit of a Zen attitude about it, especially when you're talking to progressive allies who are ignorant about it and to not immediately get like furious at them, even though like I totally understand that inclination, like especially people who you think are your friends and your allies who say offensive stuff maybe accidentally you want to be like come on you're supposed to be on my side what the fuck you know but if you can be the one to like calmly educate them you will have done them such a great service and they could like potentially be even a stronger ally because you went out of your way to educate them without being like what are you stupid you know like um just having a little bit of patience yeah i think is good so the so a couple things there are a bunch of petitions asking little john to be fired so i would recommend those if you're in the uk yeah i don't understand how this guy has a job like i know there are so many he writes for the daily mail and this is their beat right it's like the fucking new york post it's like it's like why ralph reed is on meet the press because all these fucking idiots pander to a base a bigoted base that buys their papers you know what i mean it's like how how is fox news still on the air with all the blatant lies they've told right like why is and you know i mean the daily mail is a right-wing trash paper and it's so easy for liberals like i see one of the big left-wing punchlines in the uk is like that's like the daily mail and we all laugh and it's kind of (laughs) like the the new york post here yeah but what's the fucking oh my god what's the newspaper you see people reading the most on the subway the new york post i have daily mail i have a new york post story that i just remembered when you said that what's that so i was at a protest right uh a strike debt protest just uh last week and this guy comes up to me and he's got a press pass on, but I can't see where he's from. Okay. And he's got a camera and he's like, Hey, where are they going? Do you know where they're going next? Where are they going? And I was like, uh, I don't know. We're hitting a, a bunch of different sites. They usually don't like announce where we're going until like we're actually in front of the building. And he goes, Oh, where are you from? And I tell him the nation. And he goes, don't know what that is. And I go, where are you from? And he goes, the post. <laughs> And I was talking to another reporter where I was like, first of all, I'm sure they're not going to tell the New York Post where they're going next. Uh, <laughs> I love, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. where, are you, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? The nation never heard of it. <laughs> press here. Press here. Uh, New York Post. Okay. So why, why are you marching? Well, we're marching for strike debt. Don't know it. Uh, where'd you come in from? New Jersey. Don't think that's a real state. <laughs> New York Post here. Uh, can I get a picture of your breasts from page six? <laughs> I know what that is. Um, one more thing, and I really want to... This is really sad, but The Independent reported that actually uh, Lucy Meadows, before she committed suicide, actually sought protection from the media who were hounding her before her death. Oh, God. So she even makes a joke in here. Like I'm sure she was this really funny, cool teacher, but... Um, so this is a quote from her. I became pretty good at avoiding the press before Christmas. I live about a three minute walk from school as they were parked outside my house as well as the school. I'm just glad they didn't realize I also have a back door. <laughs> uh, I was usually in school before the press arrived and stayed until late so I could avoid going home. I know the press offered parents money if they could get a picture of me. Many parents have been quite annoyed with the press too. 
especially those that were trying to give positive comments but were turned away. So that's really interesting. Journalism. Right. That's really interesting, number one. But also the fact that it's like, so you claim you care about education, yet all you're doing is preventing education by making this a fucking media circus. And also the fact that it's like, just because it's the press doesn't mean it's not the exact same as fucking high school bullying. You know, I mean, what Lucy was describing there, which adult press were doing, is the same thing bullies do by saying, I'm going to wait after school for you and I'm going to kick your ass. You know what I, I mean? mean? Like, you're straight up just being harassed. Well, it's not, it's obviously not journalism. It's a witch hunt. Like, right. they got it in their head that, you know, this person shouldn't be teaching children. So we're only going to collect negative quotes. We're going to offer cash prizes for photographs. Like, are you kidding me? Sick. Totally sick. Go ahead, tell me you leave again. You'll just come back running. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. I'm just gonna let this ride. What uh, did Alan Keyes do? Uh, you know, he has, he's explained uh, the issues with life, basically. All of life. Former weather. Uh, uh, just, just in general. All of it. Thank you, Alan Keyes. Uh, oh. We need to promote traditional marriage and, and, and traditional families. And, 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 but if we don't, if we don't, if we do oppose homosexual marriage or homosexual adoptions, doesn't mean that we're homophobes. Well, so they, uh, he's on he's on some uh, some sort of uh, right wing talk show here. Think for yourself. <laughs> I can't stand the thought, the idea, the concept of homosexuality. Now that doesn't mean I hate a human being. God made him. That God's lost more than I. Am. But I don't think I'm showing love for anyone if I encourage them or enable them or stand silently while they do something that's going to kill them. Wait, what? 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 Uh, by the way, the, these are the, hold on, these are the, these are the guys that said Obama has control of the blacks to take the guns away when the time comes. This is, this is exact program. Yes, this is the exact program. This is a good YouTube rabbit hole to wander down. What's the name of the show? I don't know. I'm terrified of whatever's happening. I'm going to put this on Twitter uh, when the time I need comes. You but go on. Stop not doing that. Um, this, uh, by the way, the, the fact that they're so serious about this scares the holy hell out of me. Yep. They're, yeah. Yeah. And the average homosexual lives half of the adult life of the average heterosexual. Fact. Is that fact? It's a fact. He um, said so. You hear him? He said fact. I mean, I mean, we also have to. Can we? Can we? Should we point out to the gentleman that a lot of people who are gay never said that they were gay, so that we actually don't know. We don't have enough numbers to actually be able to figure that out. Fact. I mean. <laughs> There are people who were completely and totally gay, got married, had kids, and just was gay as the gay, the day is long. Fact! So, what? I don't know, dude. Fact. 
Okay, we need to put that on the board. Is, 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 that, is that how you do it? Can you just say just just create create stuff and just yell fact at the end of it? Is, are you allowed to as do that? As a as as a slinger of facts, maybe I have a few things to learn from this gentleman. Yeah, you listen. I've never heard you yell fact, and uh, I've already heard it eighteen times so far. <laughs> now, if you love someone, do you enable them, encourage them, or stand silently by while they do drugs, while they smoke, while they? Swim with sharks while they drive while drunk? Hell no! Wait, what? Swimming with Wait. the sharks? Or like, drive, like people swim with the sharks? People do actually do that? Like, like, like for like a like a like a gag? They go they go swim with the sharks? There's like there's like cages and stuff like that. You, you can do that. This is, but when you're what? gay, it's like swimming with sharks with an open wound. Fact. <gasps> so don't tell me that I gotta say nothing again. God made you, you're as good as I am. I'm not arguing that point. I'm saying I care enough that I'm going to say to you, if you get involved in that lifestyle, it's harmful to you, it's harmful to others, and I'm going to do my best to show love by giving you information. You, wait, wait, you're going to do your best by showing love and being a dick to the person and trying to make sure that they never, ever get to have the same rights and uh, that, that the rest of humanity has here? That what? That's that's how you love them? And also just, like, spouting BS studies? That's not BS studies. Fact! 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 No, listen, as, as the slinger of facts, I am offended. That's what about us. We haven't even gotten, we haven't even gotten the Allen Keys yet. This is just the, the Craig Curry show he's on. Like how, like these people have Allen Keys on a show. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. No. Am I off on that Dr. Key? (laughs) Well, no, uh, but I do think. You know what? Alan Keyes could have said, "Listen, that you've really gone too far. I, I can't, I can't really co-sign any of that. That like you, you're really pushing this line." He immediately jumps in, like with that. It was literally the rantings of a madman, and he's like, "Well, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, like all you that have to do reasonable. is say, all you have to do is not agree with the madman yelling." How can how can someone with so many facts be a madman, Elon? You tell me, Doctor Key. Well, no, uh, but I do think. That I at least feel like we have to be careful to make it clear that though I believe that God made people who say that they are homosexual, uh, it is certainly a point of controversy whether God made them homosexuals. Dealing with these things at the level of public policy, of natural rights, of constitutional rights, you can't do what Portman did, and people like this, they stand up and say, well, because my son, my daughter, my this, my that, they're homosexual, therefore I do this. No, because your job is to take account of the common good. And if you don't, if you go down a road that satisfies your personal predilections and relationships and and and, and sacrifices the common good of the country, including the elementary institution by which its civilization is sustained, then you're not only derelict in your public duty, you are abandoning your obligation as a human being. And and frankly, people throw around words like crime against humanity. I think that kind of disregard for the God-endowed natural rights of human beings is the archetype of all crimes against humanity. Everything. 
Wow. Can you run that back? That was just a powerful statement from everything. Can you run that back? I don't think you understand, Ari. Everything. Words like crime against humanity. I think that kind of disregard for the God-endowed natural rights of human beings is the archetype of all crimes against humanity. All crimes. As if you're pro-marriage equality, you you are pro the archetype of all crimes against humanity. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what? You guys remember 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 when uh, everyone was like they couldn't get they they, they they couldn't deal with us as a as a southern gentleman. Yeah, well, apparently this that show is real, <laughs> and they have guests like this. This is the problem with humor, by the way. Same thing with the April Fool's joke about the Afros. Same thing about the Southern Gentleman's <laughs> Hour. Is there are real people who co-sign this so hard that it undercuts us, and now people are going to be disturbed by the tone our show took on April Fool's Day. Wait, is it? Wait, this is this? This is an April Fool's joke. Oh, no, this is Alan no, Keys. This is Alan Keys. How he rolls, Alan this is Alan Keys. I need to find more of this show. This show is amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm with Aaron. This show is amazing. Yeah, you gotta follow. follow how did I not? Follow, how did look. I not find out about this guy? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll fact. <laughs> hold on. Nasha. Hold on. I'll, I'll, don't make fun of that person. Hold on. Nasha, you are hold not on, Elon, helping I'll, the situation hold on, Elon, at all. What? Hold on, Elon. I'll, I'll find the rest of it. Hold on. Oh, I was doing that. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'll just. I'll find some more for you for a second. Okay, just go uh, on about your business. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I, I just. I still. I'm in love. I'm enamored. All right. There you go, Elon. With just screaming fact. No, that's not. That's not. That's not all. That's not them. I, I'm looking for them. Like, uh, like th- th- this is a bunch of. Uh, oh, hold right? on. Hold on. This is. Uh, I think it's. Let me see. If I remember the show. I think it's Solomon and something. Because I remember looking at it when they said that. Because you know we're all under control. Because it's kind of like we're all the Manchurian candidate. Or, so that if, Bar- if Barack Obama's like, black people, assemble, and we're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and then we all just do what we need <laughs> us to do, and... Wait. What? You're, t- sh- you're blowing the secret. You, it's people not even didn't a know secret. that it's if a- you play the Brunch of Blackness mixtape <laughs> that- track one, it's going to recruit all of the black people. To know predilections and relationships and, 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 and sacrifices the common good of the country, including the elementary institution by which its civilization is sustained, then you're not only derelict in your public duty, you are abandoning your obligation as a human being. And and frankly, people throw around words like crime against Uh, humanity. I think that kind of disregard for the God-endowed natural rights of human beings is the archetype of all crimes against all, uh, it's, all uh, it's, uh, all it's, uh, look up CPN TV tube. CP, CPN TV tube is the YouTube channel. It's a show called Talk to Talk, the Talk to Solomon show live. And so, so basically they just, talk to Solomon. This is, this is, this is that, right dude, that dude is Solomon. The dude with the, the dude with the beard is Solomon, I believe. I wonder this fact! I wonder do they get money for this, <laughs> is my question. Of course, they get, of course they get money for this. You don't know that. Of course they do. Dude, If we've been doing this for three years, and if there's one established fact is that being unreasonable makes you 55% more money than being reasonable. You know this fact. as well as I do. <laughs> Thank you. There's, there's no way in the world they do not get paid comfortably to do this.
Quote, they are moms and dads, authors and activists, a former police officer and a former single mother. They're black and white and Hispanic. One's a Roman Catholic archbishop, another an evangelical minister. Many have large families, including gay members. Close quote. Who is this rainbow coalition described in the lead of USA Today's March 22nd front pager? They are, it turns out, opponents of same-sex marriage. And the piece is part of what looks like a wavelet of media efforts to put a human face on that opposition. Theirs, readers are told, is a lonely battle. Quote, outspent and lately out-hustled by highly organized gay rights organizations, opponents have struggled to get their story out. Close quote. Well, that's a curious premise, given that their story is the law of the land, and that's why we're talking about it in the first place. But the premise is never challenged, because the paper doesn't talk to anyone who would challenge it. Instead, we get a Catholic bishop's unrebutted claim that fatherlessness causes, quote, youth violence, poverty, drugs, crime, gangs, school dropout, and incredibly high murder rates, close quote. And we're asked to credit one woman's claim that she cares deeply about the well-being of her gay friends and family without actually hearing from any of them about how they feel about her calling their orientation a vice and worrying that government acceptance will boost their numbers. Indeed, there are zero gay people included in the article, perhaps because they mess up the idea that those opposing their rights are following in the footsteps of Martin Luther King, as one source suggests, or perhaps because the paper believes their views are amply represented elsewhere. Bill O'Reilly, like Rand Paul and like most broken clocks, is right every once in a while, Lewis. And this happened yesterday. Bill O'Reilly was talking about uh, the uh, Supreme Court, which is, of course, hearing two different cases related to marriage equality. One related to California's Proposition 8. The other related to DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. So what does Bill O'Reilly say? Well, Bill O'Reilly said, you know what? If religion is your opposition to same-sex marriage, and for most people it is, that is really just not a valid way of opposing same-sex marriage. Bill O'Reilly was right on this. He had Megyn Kelly on. We've talked about Megyn Kelly before. Uh, and this is what happened. I'll just play it for you, and then we'll discuss it. For years, those who oppose gay marriage take the religion piece out of it for this because there's no arguing that. I mean, the, the, the Christian religion teaches what it teaches. The Bible says what it says, I mean, about marriage and, and but the man and woman. But our policy but shouldn't good, be made by I that. I know, so take that out of it. Right. So what I'm saying is that when you ask, for example, I had an interview with, with Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council. What is it about calling marriage, calling a gay union marriage that offends you? How does it hurt a traditional or right. heterosexual marriage? And I didn't hear anything articulated that was particularly persuasive. What people go back to... And I to agree with you 100%. Right. 100%. And I hate to say this to Kelly. And next week I, I, I got <laughs> something to Kelly that 
she's not going to like. Oh. I agree oh, with you 100 percent. Wow. Okay. The compelling argument is on the side of homosexuals. Mm -hmm. That's where the compelling argument is. We're Americans. We just want to be treated like everybody else. That is a compelling argument. Okay, so we agree with Bill O'Reilly on this. Bill O'Reilly is saying something that is just very simple. We can't have an argument about law be based simply on religious beliefs. That's really great. If Bill O'Reilly is saying this, it must be a sign of the times, Lewis. Except, except, before you get too excited, Lewis, Lewis over there getting very wound up, happy about this, before you get too excited, Lewis, we have to remember that while Bill O'Reilly is saying this, Bill O'Reilly is an expert at picking individual places where he can make statements that appear to be open-minded and maybe even in some cases progressive or just moderate. But then we go back to other arguments he makes, like, for example, the long-standing questions that Bill O'Reilly has about, hey, is two, two male, two, two dads for a child, is that really a good thing? Is two moms for, for a kid, is that good? And really going back to the fact that Bill O'Reilly does oppose equality on a number of other areas that, while scientifically and academically invalid, are not religious arguments, as he says we should be, we should be against. So this is really a well-crafted way to later make other anti-equality arguments. Uh, you know what? That's fine. Let him let him make anti-equality statements as long as he's admitting that uh, religious doctrine does not should not dictate policy. Um, that's huge. That's great. Do you I, agree with that, Natan? Or is this just a, a setup, a pretense under which O'Reilly can then make other incredibly unfounded anti-equality uh, claims? Even if it is, I think it's a good thing. But what surprises me most is that I assume that most of the Fox News audience is against what he's saying. Right, I mean, I mean, most it, of the Fox News audience thinks it's okay for a uh, law to be made based on religion. Exactly. So, I mean, he's making sort of a broader good point, which it seems to me like most of his audience disagrees with, which is this church-state separation. So I think it's good that he's making the point, even if on other things he's totally bigoted. Lewis, what would you say is the number one reason people should tune into the David Pakman show if they like Jay Tomlinson's Best of the Left podcast? I mean, I see it completely differently from, from someone who's just watching it. Yeah, well, but if I was asking someone else's opinion for the promo... I don't even watch our show, so how can I answer that question? I do not watch our show. So Lewis is, isn't even a fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the answer is Lewis doesn't actually like this show. Can you be show. a fan of the show? I mean, are you? Can, is, isn't that kind of stupid to be a fan of your own show? I'm a huge fan of this show. <laughs> of course. That's like being a fan of yourself. You're like a narcissist. What, do you put pictures up of yourself at home, too? Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. We were talking earlier about, uh, over last week, the, uh, of course, two big cases in front of the Supreme Court, uh, one dealing with Proposition Eight in California, and uh, one dealing with uh, the uh, with DOMA, the federal uh, marriage legislation, and some right wingers have softened their view and attempted to uh, enter into the 21st, really, really the 20th century in many respects, but uh, by saying, "Ah, what's the big deal about marriage equality? We now have it in a bunch of states, and apparently." Uh, we're not seeing cats and dogs raining from the skies. The locusts have not come. 
The pestilence has not come. That's all an impact of global warming. They haven't gotten there yet, but um, so, you know, what's the big deal? Now, as those national figures try and temper themselves, guys like even Bill O'Reilly, apparently, uh, less exposed conservatives, those who are in the trenches, like the radio host Steve Deese, who I've never heard of, but I imagine he represents a lot of the sentiment on the uh, right. They are having none of it. In fact, they're very mad at Bill O'Reilly. Let's play that clip. If you usurp the will of the people, we saw it in Iowa, you usurp the will of the people, three justices get removed. There's a credibility gap with the justices that continue to serve. If you, absurd, if you usurp the vote of the people of California, you will set off a constitutional crisis across these United States. And it should be a constitutional crisis. I think people like you and me and others, we'd help do our part to set off a constitutional crisis. If that Pause is, it for one if second. That is in fact what Pause it for one second. What, what are, what are they going to do to set off a constitutional crisis? What, what the hell does that mean? I've always understood a constitutional crisis when you've seen uh, the federal legislature square off against the presidency, square off against the Supreme Court. How is what happens with the Supreme Court of the United States overturning a law in California going to set off a constitutional crisis? What is this guy even talking about? What is he going to uh, foment some type of coup? Continue. With. All right, when we come back, um, I've got a bee in my bonnet. Now, I should no say, and it, this is, this is uh, Steve Deese. The other guy, I don't even know who he is, but he does apparently have the ability to set off a constitutional crisis. Go ahead. Uh, Bill O'Reilly at Fox News. I, I just, I don't like charlatans. I don't like frauds. Give me Rachel Maddow. At least she's honest. Uh, but when you're trying to profit off of the very people you're betraying, and you have tried to condescend them and patronize them for years, and then at the at the moment they probably need you to return the favor of all the money they made you over the last 15 years the most, you stab them in the back, throw them under the bus, and use the enemy's own language against them. To me, that's a hanging offense. All right, that is a hanging offense. Wow, this guy's got a very low bar for hanging offenses. <laughs> When you are a disingenuous Fox News host, you're going to get hung, according to this guy. <laughs> I also like the fact that you have tried to condescend them and patronize them for years, and then at the moment they probably need you to return the favor of condescending to them and patronizing them, I guess, of all the money they can make you over the last 15 years. Stab them in the back. And then, of course, I think the I would be willing to wager that the number one saying in the right over the past four and a half years has been throw them under the bus because they got so attached to that with uh, President Obama disavowing Reverend Wright, throwing them under the bus. That became, that became the catch-all for everything. Uh, so there you have it. And that uh, audio was clipped uh, by Charles Johnson over at uh, Little Green Footballs who, uh, one of those conservatives who started to realize, like, what, you know, all the guys I hang out with, they're all insane. That is literally the description of his career arc. Yes, it's, it's basically he just woke up one day and just looked around and go, wait a second, what am I doing in a room full of insane people? You heard what you hold most dear, you're the traitor, you are. 
Taibbi wrote a spectacular takedown of David Brooks for Rolling Stone. Uh, if you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend doing so. There'll be a link in the episode recap at wearecitizenradio.com that you can click on. It'll take you to, over to Rolling Stone. I'm very excited to read this. Um, so David Brooks wrote another terrible column, uh, because that's what he does, entitled Freedom Loses One. Uh, and Taibbi writes, the article- you said that's what he does. I just picture the New York Times like, David, David, you got your terrible column yet? Working on it. Here's one terrible column. Yeah, that's how I assume things are there. Uh, so Taibbi writes, the article is a sarcastic broadside against, well, against something, though it's not clear exactly which of the many post-60s permissive society hobgoblins Brooke hates is the real target here. So ostensibly, the column purports to take a single ironic point, which is that by petitioning the Supreme Court for the right to marry, gays and lesbians were not expanding their freedoms and thus continuing, as Brooks implies, a long and perhaps regrettable winning streak for people's rights to follow their desires that dates back to those hated 60s, but rather constraining them. Brooks puts it this way. So this is David Brooks. But last week saw a setback for the forces of maximum freedom. A representative of millions of gays and lesbians went to the Supreme Court and asked the court to help put limits on their own freedom of choice. They asked for marriage. So essentially, this is Allison right now. Hello. Hi. What, what Brooks is saying is the 60s babies and everybody who's came, come after them, all the progressives, we want freedom, right? We want to be able to fuck in the streets and, you know, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever he thinks like his cartoon version of liberals are in his mind. We want all the freedom. Fucking in the streets on top of a stack of welfare checks. Yes. Um, while also waving, like, so one hand is obviously helping to fuck, like, maybe on the person's hips, and the other hand is, like, beckoning illegal immigrants, like, you're clear, like, in, under the fence. And then we have sex with the immigrants. And then we have sex with the immigrants, and then we make little, uh, well, uh, first we get an abortion, because we're like, we don't like that one, so we abort our first immigrant baby, Mm -hmm. then we have more immigrant babies, and then those immigrant uh, babies learn about evolution, and then I think it ends with us uh, murdering God. Yes, very vivid. Thank you. Um, so he's saying, oh, you want all the freedoms. Then isn't it ironic oh, that you then want to be shackled by this institution of marriage that takes away your freedom? So Taibi, in awesome Taibi style, it's hilarious, really do check out the article, says... It's not about restricting freedoms. This is about justice. They want equality. You know, like, obviously, straight people are allowed to marry. So gay people want to be able to marry, too. And it's not them about... It's not... Marriage isn't about sacrificing your freedom. It's about you're going into a willing contract with each other. No one is making you get married. That's your freedom of choice to get married. Also, I mean, as a Catholic, I believe David Brooks is... um, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's written pro-marriage pieces about how marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, this is just him, obviously, trying to be uh, a condescending piece of shit, which is what he does. Yeah, Condescending piece of shit here. Taibbi just wrote at one point, what an asshole! Because he is! This is such an asshole, condescending thing to say. Like, that gay people are going to be dumb enough to read a Brooks article and go, oh, I never thought of it that way. I'm sacrificing my 60s freedom. And then... uh, David's going to like whisper to his wife, like, I think we tricked him. Let's go back to our happy marriage. I mean, 
David, just because your marriage sounds like a shackled shit show doesn't mean that all marriages are a shackled shit show. And the bottom line is that, you know, we have a country that so I don't even know why I'm trying to logistically, like logically argue with this, but so many rights depend on marriage in our country. Like if you are not married, if me and Allison weren't married, or I'm sorry, if if my husband, my boyfriend, and I weren't married, and he was dying in the hospital, and they say you can't see him unless you're married, I couldn't be like, well, marriage is a lame institution anyway, and they'd be like, oh, you're a David Brooks, come on in. I legally wouldn't be allowed to see him. Because of the Defense of Marriage Act, if my husband lived overseas, he wouldn't be able to move over here right away, and I would be forced to go over there like some of our friends have to do. If... You know, I mean, God damn it. So many rights uh, are tied to marriage, adopting a child, like so many different things that it's not about, oh, I just want to, uh, you know, whatever awful 90s stand-up comic you saw describe marriage, David Brooks, or whatever weird world you're living in. Like, it's not like, oh, I want a, I want a woman to tell me what to do and not let me play basketball with the boys on Sunday. Like, it's about... More than that. Yeah, and I like how Taibi phrases it. He writes, The whole world seems rapidly to be coming to an understanding that this is discrimination against gays and lesbians, and it has to end. And the fact that this change is coming is a beautiful thing. You have to be a very unhappy person, indeed, to feel anything but joy about it, much less this sarcastic depression. Jay, this is Liz from Indiana. I'm just calling in to draw attention to the way that your callers in the last, uh, I think, two episodes ago described the problems in the Catholic Church, and these were mostly Catholic callers. I think at least one of them specifically used the term sex scandal to describe child rape and torture. Now, using the term sex scandal really minimizes the crime committed here. A sex scandal is not a priest raping a child, a sex scandal is a husband and wife maybe stepping out on one another and cheating when that is not the agreement of their relationship. I don't know if the people who called in defending Catholicism, or not necessarily defending Catholicism, but, you know, talking about the problems of it and why they're still in it actually think that rape is just a sex scandal or if it's just a really uncomfortable thing to say child rape and torture but it's it is a problem and if you don't see it that way i'm not really sure what to say but all of your the clips that you brought on they use the term child rape in the appropriate language for the crime so uh, I think it's just an interesting thing for people to think about the way that they describe what is happening in their institution. Thank you. Well, bye. Hey, Jay, this is a starving college student in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was just calling regarding your latest episode about, uh, I guess, mostly feminism, but my comment is on um, the trial in Ohio about the rapist who. Yeah, we all know the story. Anyway, 
I was just um, wanting to make a comment about how it didn't seem like they felt any remorse at all until after the conviction. I just felt that was kind of odd that it seemed as though they didn't realize it was a big deal until after they were caught and punished in a way. Uh, I guess that has something to do with our culture. I'm not sure, but it really makes me angry that we sort of don't feel bad about what we do until we're being punished for it. Um, I don't know if it's cultural or what, but I don't know. I haven't heard that on any of the other podcasts that I listen to and just thought that it would be a worthwhile comment to see what uh, your listeners thought about. All right. Thanks. Great show. Bye. Hi, Jay. Uh, just a quick message from the Court on Marriage episode. This is Edie from PA. Um, I just thought that maybe the way we phrase and frame our uh, conversations about women's equality are incorrect. Like we really try to appeal to, um, you know, what if this were your sister? What if this were your mother? Uh, when we talk to, you know, certain people who don't necessarily share our views, maybe it's incompatible with a productive discussion to have those conversations. It really puts women's equality in a sphere where people think about how they have to protect women and phrasing things as, what if this were your mother, really kind of uh, puts people in a position of wondering, what if this were someone I had to protect, as opposed to, what if this were someone that I need to respect on their own merits as being equal. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Hey, Jay, this is George from South Florida. So many uh, points I would like to call about and comment on, but uh, I'm calling right now in reference to your last comment on uh, the last religion show that you played, I believe for the 24th of March, uh, regarding your story on Lake Wobegon. I had this sense, like, in, in, the, in the way that he hopes that if he tells the stories of Lake Wobegon exactly right, he'll be lifted up and taken to Lake Wobegon. My sense is that if I ever walk that line so perfectly that I say exactly what I mean and tell, you know, give my opinion and, and structure it in such a way that is just perfect, that understanding will just emanate like a shockwave from an atom bomb or something. And, and finally, you know, if, if only for one brief shining moment, everyone who hears it would then say like, oh, I get it. I don't know exactly how to articulate it, but I completely understand what you're thinking. It sounds like a bit of a spiritual experience that you're having, uh, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, you completely make sense, even though it's hard to explain why. And I do think that if you continue doing what you're doing, uh, at some level you kind of would be transported there, and, and uh, I think you make a difference, and um, I just wanted to let you know that. I think uh, it's a good thing to, to feel, to think, and then to put into action like you do. So, yeah, just wanted to just wanted to say that. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips and make the show possible. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So I just had a couple of coincidences happen. Just there were some correlations between things that were said recently and things that I read recently. And so I just want to share those with you real quick. So 
Uh, George from South Florida, who you just heard uh, leave his message uh, about my comments on Lake Wobegon and, and trying to be understood on the show and whatnot, he, he mentioned that it sounded like a spiritual experience to him. And, um, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but okay. So he left that message a few days ago, and within, you know, probably within a day, maybe a day and a half, I, I read this excerpt from uh, Carl Sagan's book, uh, a demon haunted world, and this is one of the best definitions of spirituality I've ever heard of. So Carl Sagan, and by the way, he's the like science evangelist, now deceased, but you know in the 80s and 90s he was on TV all the time talking about how great science is. So Carl Sagan says, in its encounter with nature, science invariably elicits a sense of reverence and awe. The very act of understanding is a celebration of joining, merging, even if on a very modest scale, with the magnificence of the cosmos. And the cumulative worldwide buildup of knowledge over time converts science into something only a little short of a transnational, transgenerational metamind. The word spirit comes from the Latin word to breathe. What we breathe is air, which is certainly matter, however thin. Despite usage to the contrary, there is no necessary implication in the word spiritual that we are talking of anything other than matter, including the matter of which the brain is made, or anything outside the realm of science. On occasion, I will feel free to use the word. Science is not only compatible with spirituality, it is a profound source of spirituality. When we recognize our place in an immensity of light years and the passage of ages, when we grasp the intricacy, beauty, and subtlety of life, then that soaring feeling, that sense of elation and humility combined, is surely spiritual. So are our emotions in the presence of great art or music or literature, or of acts of exemplary selfless courage such as those of Mohandas Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. The notion that science and spirituality are somehow mutually exclusive does a disservice to both. So I read that, I liked it a lot, and wanted an excuse to share with you guys, and uh, you know, luckily George from South Florida gave me the excuse. Secondly today, you know, just in the previous episode, I was talking about the Steubenville rape case, and I was trying to, although I think it was a little clumsy, I was trying to draw the connection between uh, the way the, those high school kids you know, because they were football players, they were sort of put up on pedestals, highly privileged uh, for that place in, in the community, and the connection that there could be, at least, between the way they were treated and their actions in terms of how, you know, they, in terms of committing rape, in terms of thinking it wasn't a big deal, thinking they would get away with it, and so on. You know, in a town like this, the high school football stars are sort of exalted as these local heroes and how that actually probably adds to the likelihood of them committing these sorts of crimes and expecting to get away with it, or worse yet, not even thinking that it's a crime in the first place. And then again, totally coincidental correlation between uh, that that was said and then what I read. Just, I think it was maybe the night after I you know, posted that show, I was reading, and to be clear, I, I think I have ADD, so I have to read a whole bunch of books all at once, otherwise I get antsy and bored and... and Put a book down and don't pick it back up. So I'm reading like six books all at once. So in addition to Carl Sagan's book, I'm also reading uh, the book White Like Me by Tim Wise. He's a he's a white guy, but he's an anti-racist activist. That's his whole gig. So he writes books and speaks and and that sort of thing. And so so I was reading his book, and uh, and he had this to say about 
risky behavior on campuses, interestingly. So like I said, this is from his book, White Like Me. It's a real short excerpt. He says, Next to having a Division I sports program, the most highly correlated factor with alcohol and substance abuse on campuses is the percentage of students who are white. The whiter the school, the bigger the problem. Not because there's something wrong with whites, per se, but because privilege encourages self-indulgent and often destructive behaviors and allows those with privilege to remain cavalier about our activities all the while. And so there you go, you know, a little bit more succinct, a little bit better said than I was able to do it, uh, but it was definitely nice and, and completely surprising to, you know, read within 12 hours of having said something along those lines myself to have, uh, you know, to, to read what he had to say on the subject. You know, of course, his frame is from, the, you know, the, the racial perspective because that's his focus, but I think he makes it clear that it's not just about race, it's about privilege, and privilege isn't just about race at all, it's about uh, being in the majority, being considered normal, and and, you know, so when these kids are white football stars that are considered like the pinnacle of normalcy in in, uh, in Americana, then yeah, they enjoy all of the uh, benefits and downfalls that come with privilege like that. So there you go, just a couple of snapshots into what I've been reading recently. Uh, and But actually, as long as I'm talking about things that I've been reading, let me blow your mind with this. Uh, I, I would guess maybe 1% of people uh, who are going to hear me say this are going to have already known this information. Because I, I also have been reading uh, the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. You know, I, I like to keep at least one classic in, in my rotation. And I found out while reading that book that the, the distance, 20,000 Leagues, it's not a reference to the vertical depth that they go under the sea, as I and I believe everyone on the planet has always assumed. It's actually the distance that they travel. So the, you know, the, the narrator is on the you know is on the submarine with Captain Nemo, and they travel a distance of twenty thousand leagues because twenty thousand leagues is such a, a long distance that, that there is no ocean that deep. So anyway, I, I only learned that by reading it, and which had my entire world turned upside down. I had no idea. So anyways, well, I guess you actually get three little snapshots of what I've been reading recently. So that'll do it for today. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks especially to those who support the show, either by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Take you out in the open door